Hey, it's Sean from the Commander's Brew. Before we get to this episode, I've got a very important announcement to make. I'm switching podcast hosts. Normally, I wouldn't have to say anything, but modern podcast hosting is pretty advanced, and the way I've been doing things is pretty old-fashioned. So it's not as simple as just updating the feed and then you don't notice anything. If you want to keep listening to this show, and I really hope you do, you'll have to click the link in the show notes. That'll take you to the new feed, and you can subscribe there. I'll keep publishing episodes on this feed until sometime the end of January, that should give people enough time to switch over to the new feed. And if you're coming back from the future and you're wondering why there hasn't been an update since sometime in January, this is why. I've got so many new episodes for you over on the new link. Anyway, here's this episode. Hey, it's Sean from the Commander's Brew. I got a fun one for you. Mishra, Tamer of Makfawa with some Unearth and a little bit of Ward. I got some cool stuff to explore, a little bit of mill, and a couple of combos that aren't infinite but i'm having trouble breaking them into making them infinite maybe you can help me figure that out anyway all the cards i talked about will be in the link in the show notes and if you do think that this is an inspiring episode and you want to brew some more anything you buy through that link does support the show so thank you and if you do want to support the best way to do so is patreon.com slash commanders brew you can also get into the discord that way and help out with these cool brews i do have the best deal for you if you're listening from canada though and that's from the wizard's tower Let's hear a couple of ads. One fake, one real. Wouldn't it be neat to know if you had some sort of connection to Phyrexia? Are you a descendant of a Thran? Or perhaps Yogmoth themselves? You can find out with our quick and easy kit if you sign up for 99andMe. Just give us your name and your address and we'll send a kit right to your door. Instead of giving us a little bit of saliva, we just want you to eat whatever we send you. We promise, it's totally safe. And in just a few short evenings, you'll find out exactly the connection you have with Phyrexia. Spoiler alert, I bet you'll have a connection then. Anyway, here's the real ad from the Wizard's Tower. WizardTower.com, a great place to buy magic singles and read all sorts of cool articles about Commander and other formats. If you're in Canada, you can use our coupon code BREWBROTHERS to get 5% off your magic singles. What a deal. And now, back to the show. Okay, let's do this. This is Mishra, Tamer of Makfawa. Makfawa seems to be that floating dragon that is surprising we've not seen a card for, I don't think. Anyway, Mishra is a five mana commander, Rakdos, three black red. You get a four four with permanents you control have ward, sacrifice a permanent. I think that is going to be underrated on this card. It is interesting. It just puts enough of a price on targeting your stuff for removal that your opponents might not want to. They might think twice about it. It does kind of point us towards a Voltron strategy a little bit. While if I put all my eggs in this Voltron basket, then surely my opponents won't want to target it because it'll cost a permanent. However... If you are too threatening still, they'll just pay with a permanent. Like, it's worth it. If you're going to win the game, someone will lose a permanent. Could create some interesting political discussions where everyone has to decide who's going to pay for it and spend it. It does become quite a cost. But I think the key ability is that each artifact in your graveyard has unearth one black-red. So that's what I'm going to set out to do. I'm going to look towards brewing up a deck, finding a bunch of cards that work well so that we have artifacts in the graveyard to unearth. I'm going to look at some artifacts that are really cheap to unearth. Not cheap to unearth, there's always three, but like when they unearth, they pay you back in some way, like with mana, mana rocks, or maybe with more cards, things like that. I'm going to look at ways to take advantage of artifacts coming in and out of the graveyard, creatures coming in and out of the graveyard, stuff like that. So keep this in mind. We pay three to unearth something, one black-red. Now first, let's look at some 
artifact ramp. Something like Gilded Lotus costs five, but it taps to add three of any one color. So if we were to run this in a deck, which I'm happy to do, uh, we pay five and we get three back right away. So it's like it cost us two. It's excellent for future turns, for future development. But also, if there's a reason we want to unearth this from the graveyard, it's like the unearth cost was free. We spend three to unearth it, but we get that three back immediately. This won't be super useful in a longer term strategy because keep remember that when you unearth something, you have to sacrifice it at the end of the turn and it goes into XL. So we won't get to like use this for the rest of the game. That's not a way to cheat that out. But it can be interesting if the game is watching us bring artifacts in or out. That's something that's interesting. And we can chain a bunch of those together if we have other ones as well. Basalt Monolith is another three mana mana rock that taps for three colorists. Coveted Jewel, I think, is especially interesting, regardless of the weird unearth sacrifice clause. Costs us six, and when it comes down, we draw three cards, and it taps to add three of any one color. There's a drawback in that whenever one or more creatures an opponent controls attacks you, and they're not blocked, that player gets to draw three cards, and they gain control of the Coveted Jewel. But if we put in a few sack outlets, a few ways to make sure that our opponents can't do that... We can eliminate this downside pretty easily. And now we can pay six to draw three cards or we can unearth it later to draw three cards. And in both cases, we're getting that three mana back right away. So on cast, it's like we paid three to draw three cards. And when we unearth it, it's like we paid zero to draw three cards. And specifically, Lotus Bloom is interesting. I'm surprised this is only a couple of bucks, but it's a suspend three artifact. It costs nothing. You can't cast it. Like, it doesn't cost zero. It has no casting cost. So you can't cast this with it unless you suspend it. And it suspends for free, for zero. And it suspends for three. So in three turns, this appears and you get to sacrifice it and add three mana of any one color. It's like Black Lotus with suspend, sort of. You can unearth it, though. If you unearth it, it comes back immediately and we don't have to wait. There's no suspending. Again, very useful. I think on turn one, this is a fine play. Just drop it and know that in a couple of turns, you're going to get a bunch more mana. And we can do that again later if we want. Also, keep in mind for Lotus Bloom, I've got something cool coming on with that later on. Transmigrant Altar is an interesting card from the same set, Brothers War. It's a three mana artifact that taps for three, but you have to sacrifice a creature and pay black to do it. So we can't get that three right away. Also, we can pay two tap sack a creature to create a 3-3 colorless zombie artifact creature token only as a sorcery. But both of these things are interesting in terms of the unearthing of other creatures. A lot of things we want to unearth will give us value in some way, but we won't be able to attack with it. And then at the end of the turn, it'll just have done its job and then it'll be exiled. But we are allowed to sacrifice it to something like Transmigrant Altar as a way to pay three to unearth another creature, artifact creature that is. Then we pay a black sack it to get three of that back so we spent four and we got three back it's like we paid one to do that and again keep in mind if we've got a bunch of abilities and other effects happening so that when that does happen we get a lot of value from it i think ogre head helm is worth mentioning this is from neon dynasty it's a rare it's a two mana reconfigure equipment so it's a two two but you can equip it for three and whenever the creature or the equipped version attacks and deals combat damage to a player you can sacrifice it either the creature that's equipped with it or the helm itself. And then if you do, you discard your hand and draw three cards. So we can unearth this. 
uh, fine. But it's also pretty good to put on unearthed creatures as a way to have them give us extra value when they connect, because we will be hoping to get through. If we know that something that we've unearthed is probably going to get through, we can equip this, dump our hand, draw three more cards. This is probably going to be useful later in the game once our hand's a little light. Maybe we have a lot of stuff in our hand we would rather unearth. We don't always want to cast everything on the front side. And then I just want to mention Metalwork Colossus because I've mentioned a lot of expensive mana rocks. So even a turn where maybe we like unearth a jeweled lotus. Is that the one? No, coveted jewel. Jeweled lotus is that one that's only cast for commander mana. It's like black lotus for commanders only. I'm not writing that in this deck. I don't even know what that costs these days. What does it cost these days? Oh, only $102. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Okay. Never mind. I am back to Metalwork Colossus. So Coveted Jewel, we bring that back for three mana. That's add six to the battlefield in terms of mana value of non-creature artifacts. So Metalwork Colossus could get down to zero. This is the 11 mana construct that costs X less for all the non-creature artifacts. The converted mana cost, the mana value that is. And we get to sack two artifacts to return this from your graveyard to your hand. So there's definitely a world where we've unearthed a couple of things and we are going to be able to sack them to get Metalwork Colossus back to our hand from the graveyard and maybe even play it because it might cost zero. Again, Coveted Jewel is a great example. We pay three to unearth it. We tap it for three. So we've added six mana value to the board, but we've effectively paid nothing. Now we can sack the jewel. Oh no, but then we won't be able to cast it because we sacked it. Anyway, you see where I'm going with this. There's a lot of fun options. And Quick mention to Doretti Scrap Savant, a classic planeswalker in red, three in a red. You got a plus two to discard two and draw it up to two. So you, you draw as many as you discard. So this commander is still 50 cents. It's, it's unbelievable. It, it can be your commander. What a planeswalker. You can also minus two to do the goblin welder effect, sack an artifact and return an artifact to the battlefield. It's like on Earth. It's not like on Earth because we get to keep it, but it's similar to on Earth in that we care about stuff in the graveyard. A lot of overlap is what I'm saying. The ultimate means whenever an artifact goes to the graveyard, you return it at the next end step, but your opponents should never let you get to that. I wouldn't plan on it. And so wanting a full graveyard is good. We want stuff in there. So like red is great for cards like Thrill of Possibility. All those cards that say discard to draw two, that sort of thing. Most of them at instant speed. Some of them bring treasures along with it. Big score, for example. These are the kind of cards you want in a deck like this. And as I mentioned before, Meteor Golem is a seven mana creature i don't love paying seven up front for this but if i can unearth it for three to destroy target non-land permanent and opponent controls that's a very good price for meteor golem i'm happy to have a way to discard this in order to unearth it for cheap mesmeric orb is interesting i'm looking for ways to get a lot of cards in the graveyard cheap a lot of mill it's the two mana artifact just came out in Brothers War again, so I'm thinking about it. Whenever a permanent becomes untapped, that permanent's controller mills a card. So everybody gets to mill, which probably will help the table more than it helps you, but it's only a two-mana investment, which can potentially put a bunch of cards in the graveyard. Although by that logic, it's a zero-mana investment for your opponents. Something to consider. Perpetual Timepiece is another two-mana investment that will put cards in the graveyard two at a time by tapping it, and we do have the extra bonus of ping two to exile the timepiece to shuffle our graveyard back into our library. And actually, now that I'm noticing it, I shortcutted that in my brain. It actually shuffles any number of target cards from your graveyard to your library. So 
we can choose to save the good stuff if people are planning on exiling the graveyard. That actually bumps this up a little bit in my mind, and I already thought quite highly of it in a graveyard deck. And under City Informer, this might be the best synergy for this type of effect if we want to plan on unearthing a lot of artifact creatures, because this is a three mana rogue, it's two, three, and we get to pay one to sack a creature, ideally something that's already going to die from unearth anyway, and then we can pick ourselves as the target player, and we can mill until we hit a land. Deece. And of course, Sir Conrad the Grim. This thing is a little bit salty. A lot of people get upset when Sir Conrad's on the battlefield, as they should, because whenever a creature dies or goes into a graveyard from anywhere other than the battlefield, or a card leaves your graveyard, Sir Conrad deals one to each opponent. Now, unearth, the creatures don't die if they have been unearthed. They will get exiled instead as a replacement effect. So Sir Conrad won't get you credit for unearthed creatures disappearing. However, Conrad gives you credit when creatures leave your graveyard, which is what Unearth does on the front side of Unearth. And he does a little bit of mill if you care. So a couple of gimmies, obviously Tormod the Desecrator is the four mana legendary wizard. Whenever a card leaves your graveyard, create a tapped 2-2 black zombie creature token. This is fantastic as a way just to get extra value out of those Unearths. We're going to lose the creature, but in this way, we sort of also get a 2-2 zombie, which we can sacrifice to other things or just do all the things you do with creatures in this game. Sometimes attack and do damage. Desecrated Tomb, same thing, but this time a creature card has to leave and you create a 1-1 black bat creature token with flying. This is a 3-mana artifact that we can also unearth. Witches Oven is especially interesting because this gets to sack the unearthed creature to create a food token. Uh, If the toughness was 4 or greater, we make 2 food tokens, so this is potentially a way to make sure we keep stuff on the battlefield. More on that in a moment. Okay, I want to talk to you about a couple of stations. One of them is a $30 card. I don't know why. Grinding stations, $30. I mean, I'm sure there's a combo here. It's a two-mana artifact with a tap and an untap. Tap, sack an artifact, target player mills three. And it automatically untaps whenever an artifact comes into play. Period. For anybody. Grinding station costs way more, six. Uh, And it has a tap. Return a non-creature artifact that has mana value one or less, a tiny artifact, from your graveyard to play. And whenever a creature is put into a graveyard from play, you may untap this. So let's just look at salvaging station on its own. It's a six mana artifact and we can unearth it for three and we can do a bunch of stuff in one turn. Unearth has to be a sorcery, but I do think this is interesting just in general with Lotus Bloom. Lotus Bloom is that suspend artifact that suspends for three, but again, we can unearth it for free and we can also salvaging station it for free. It costs zero because it has no mana cost. That means it's zero. So salvaging station can return Lotus Bloom just for a tap and then we get to add three mana of any color and it goes back into the graveyard. If a board wipe happened and a bunch of creatures hit the graveyard at once, all these salvaging station untapped triggers will go on the stack at once. So we will be able to, after each one, bring back Lotus Bloom and then sack Lotus Bloom for three mana. And then when the next salvaging station untap thing happens, well, we will tap by bringing back Lotus Bloom and doing it all over again. So this is a way these two together just net you a ton of mana. I suggest putting an instant in the deck somewhere that you can really capitalize or some sort of mana sink. There's got to be a way to do that. But so you that's if a board wipe happens. But let's look at grinding station, which is $30, unfortunately, $2 artifact. Two mana artifact, I'm sorry, That's I wish it was $2. Two mana artifact, tap, sack an artifact, target player mills three. And whenever an artifact comes into play, you may untap grinding station. So every time we bring back Lotus 
Bloom from the graveyard, grinding station will untap itself, and the only condition to tap it is to sack an artifact. Now, we don't want to sack Lotus Bloom, and salvaging station sees gets its untap when another creature goes into the graveyard. So the ideal move here is that we've got extra artifact creatures. Maybe those zombies that Tormod the Desecrator made, or the bats from the Desecrated Tomb. These are the ones we'll be sacrificing with grinding station to mill ourselves for three. Oh no, I have to sack an artifact. Oh, I've, I've already lost it. Sack an artifact. Yes. So, if, okay, I'm back. If we sack an artifact creature with grinding station, then salvaging station will untap. Then we get to do the loop all over again. Phew. Did that make sense? I hope that made sense. It, it barely makes sense to me, but it seems like a really cool thing to do. Anyway, let's move on. Imagine we're milling ourselves a ton, right? The Cauldron of Eternity becomes interesting, maybe even as an unearthed thing. But this is a 10 black black legendary artifact, but it costs two less for each creature card in your graveyard. So, you know, creatures are coming out of the graveyard. We are trying to unearth things, so that might not be huge. But anyway, if we mill this, it only costs us three. Whenever a creature you control dies, put it on the bottom of its owner's library. That's interesting. Then we get to pay two and a black, tap, pay two life, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. That's like another version of unearth. Also, if we are able to mill ourselves a ton, like if we can get really quick with milling ourselves, maybe there's something to do by having an empty library, having a creature die and going onto the bottom, which is also the top, and then doing some sort of shenanigans that way. I don't know what that would be, but maybe someone out there can figure that out. Okay, so let's talk about rectangles. Remember Witch's Oven? Uh, if you unearth something with power four or more, you can tap the Witch's Oven to turn it into two food tokens. So we've gotten a creature, maybe that creature died, we've unearthed it, now we've sacked it to the oven, and we've turned that one card into two more items on the battlefield. The unearthing will leave, but we've cashed it in. Even if it's just a 1-1 creature, we'll cash it in for a single food token. So we get more items on the board. Now let's look at items on the board. Artifacts, rectangles, objects in play, materials if you're from the chess world. I'm not from the chess world, but I know that chess people talk about the materials. How, who has more material on the board? That matters. Mirror Battlesphere makes five rectangles, right? It comes in for seven and makes four one one mirror. But when you unearth it, maybe the big seven goes away, but the four mirror are still there. So you've made four rectangles by unearthing this thing. Four artifact creature tokens. These are great for that station combo thing. Genesis Chamber. Whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield, if this is untapped, the creature's controller makes a 1-1 colorless mirror artifact creature token. I'm not planning on tapping and untapping this. I'm, I'm accepting that my opponents can get benefit from this as well. But the coolest thing about this is non-token creatures. We will probably be able to double dip those non-token creatures because unearthing, by definition, means a non-token creature comes back in. Mirror works, same deal. It's a five mana artifact that whenever another non-token enters, you can pay two, and if you do, create a token that's a copy of that artifact. So if we've unearthed something, we can pay an extra two, that makes five total, and now the copy sticks around. Now those three mana tappers become a lot more interesting. If I can pay three to unearth a Lotus Bloom, not Lotus Bloom, I meant Gilded Lotus, all these words overlap, uh, if I can pay three to get back a Gilded Lotus, tap it for three, that one's going to be unearthed. That one will disappear, but I can pay an additional two to have a permanent copy of that Gilded Lotus in play now. That one's not going to go. And I've effectively spent a net of two to do that. Precursor Golem. 
This is that five mana golem. Uh, it's a three, three, but it comes and it brings two more three, three golem creature tokens. That's three rectangles. Uh, it does have the clause where if anyone targets your golems, you have to target all of the golems with it. Like it copies itself. So, you know, one kill spell kills all your golems. However, if we've got sack outlets and things, we can just get rid of the main golem and those two, three, threes that are on the side. Well, they don't have that clause anymore. Uh, same with when we unearth this. And Olivia's attendance might be the biggest way to get the most board materials at once. This is the four mana vampire with menace. It's only 20 cents now. I, I, it's probably not going to go up. I mean, it is a rare, but it just seems like the potential is very high. It's a 6-6. Six, six. It's got menace. Whenever Olivia's attendance deals damage, period, it does not say combat damage, create that many blood tokens. So if we unearth this, we can already attack with it. It's got menace. It's a 6-6. Six, six. If they chump block, we make six blood tokens. That's six rectangles. If they don't, if they can't chump block, I mean, it's menace, so they have to chump block with two things. So now, like, the potential to get, we're just going to get three, I mean, I guess they could remove Olivia's Attendance, that's why we don't get any blood tokens. But now, imagine something like this. Like, I have to consider Chandra's Ignition on Olivia's Attendance. So, Chandra's Ignition is that five-mana sorcery, target creature you control, deals damage equal to its power to each other creature and each opponent. Wow. Chandra's Ignition's up to seven bucks already. Eight bucks? Anyway, it's a powerful card. But imagine these two in combination. You have to protect Olivia's Attendance because... This is a bad blowout if your opponents remove Olivia's attendance before igni the ignition resolves, and then the ignition does nothing. But each creature, ta each player takes six. Each creature takes six. What what are we talking about here? Six times fifteen? That many blood tokens? That is so much material on the board. If that's got your stations going on, oh my goodness, so many untapped effects. All those things now help you cast non-artifact spells by using the improvisability that Inspiring Statuary brings. And then, okay, so if we get like a bunch of little token artifacts, it's, I would love a Sahili's Directive. Red, red, red X, sorcery. And it has improvised, so all those little tokens tap for one right away. So we pay three red, and if we have ten token artifacts... X equals 10 before we've sunk any more mana whatsoever into this. Uh, so we reveal the top X cards of your library and put all the artifacts with converted mana cost X or less, which we there, there shouldn't be any that cost more than X, onto the battlefield, period. Just a ton of value. And imagine the scenario where we have all those blood tokens from Olivia's attendance. That's our whole deck. Like, we'll put every artifact we own in the deck on there. And again, maybe this is a job for a perpetual timepiece because I know I'm talking a ton of mana now, but I guess that's where improvise comes in. We, If we've milled ourselves, we won't have enough things in the graveyard for this to be as exciting as I would want it to be. So anyway, something to think about. So now that we're on this kind of stream of consciousness, let's imagine a red pinger deck with Mishra. I think this is the coolest way to brew. So Reckless Fireweaver is the two mana artificer that whenever an artifact enters, it deals one damage to each opponent. Every artifact rectangle that we make does a damage to each opponent. And Ingenious Artillerist is a Commander Legends Baldur's Gate card that I did not know exists. It's the same thing, but it's a three mana three one. That's redundancy for super pings. And if you do plan on going the creature route with a lot of creature tokens, Witty Roastmaster does the same thing, but whenever a creature enters under your control, artifact or otherwise. Fuming Effigy does the same thing when a card leaves your graveyard, one damage to each opponent. And so now all those cards I mentioned are red. So what about something like Torbrand Thane of Redfell, the four mana two four that if your red sources would deal damage, now they deal that much damage plus two. 
So all those pings are pings for three. Ember Mahalian, not as powerful. Uh, it's a five mana, four five with trample that does the same thing, but now you only get one extra damage to that permanent or player. Mechanized Warfare is a new enchantment from the from Brothers War that does this. It's the cheapest way to get that effect. It's only three mana to get extra one damage off of every red damage thing, but it's an enchantment harder to destroy, and it is the cheapest. And if Torbrand's very important to your strategy, or maybe Ember Mahelion, I do like something like Dread Return because it it works with flashback. It's the four mana sorcery that returns a creature from your graveyard to the battlefield, but also as flashback, you can sacrifice three creatures to bring this back. Having flashback on a reanimator spell like this is so key because we're milling ourselves. There's very, very often a time where we mill the thing we want to use. Like you can't just put one reanimator card and hope you don't mill it. Uh, but it, we don't. It doesn't matter if we mill this one. And then I gotta mention Marionette Master, right? Like imagine the world where you've got the, all those blood tokens and a way to sack them for free. Like Marionette Master will end the game easily. This card is it's only fifty cents still. Uh, I think it's very powerful. Four, it's a six mana card. One three, fabricate three. So when it enters, you have to pick either the fabricate three either brings three artifact creature tokens, servos, or the art of the fabricate three means three plus one plus one counters. And whenever an artifact you control goes to the graveyard from the battlefield, an opponent loses life equal to bearing at master's power. So we usually pick fabricate three as the plus one plus one counters. And so here's another creature we might want to reanimate. But as you'll recall, Misha can't bring back creatures. Misha has to bring back artifacts. If the artifacts are creatures, that's fine as well. And it is not cheap to make all the creatures in your graveyard artifacts as well. Biotransference from the Warhammer 40k deck does work. It's a four mana enchantment. Creatures you control are artifacts in addition to the other types. The same is true for creature spells you control and the creature cards that you own that aren't on the battlefield, aka your graveyard. Whenever you cast an artifact spell, you lose one life and create a 2-2 black Necron warrior artifact creature token. It does great things in the deck. It is no surprise why this is almost this is over 20 bucks already anyway. Man, that deck was crazy. Whip of Erebos? Sneaky. It's 10 bucks, but it gives unearth to all your creatures. I didn't fully piece that together until now. The Whip of Erebos is two black black for legendary artifact enchantment. Creatures you control have lifelink. And basically two black black unearth a creature um it's all the same words as unearth it just doesn't say unearth but here's a way to get non-artifact creatures back if we care about something specific like a torbran or a marionette master and like obviously i mean we're all thinking it dockside extortionist again who needs to talk about this card more this is two mana goblin pirate when it enters you make x treasure tokens where x is the number of artifacts and enchantments your opponents control it's so much free mana for two. You can recur it. I, we can unearth it if we were able to make it a creature. That's incredible. Now, I do want to highlight Flame Shadow Conjuring as a fun thing. We'll go back to the non-token creature idea. Four mana enchantment, and whenever a non-token creature enters, aka with unearth, we can pay red, and if we do, we get a token copy that also will exile at the beginning of the next end step. Now, it's important to note that the token copy does not have a replacement effect of exile. It's just going to get exiled at the beginning of the next end step. So if we want to sacrifice creatures and we have death triggers that we care about, sacking the flame shadow conjured one will give us death triggers because there's no replacement effect. They will go to the graveyard, then state-based actions means they will disappear. If we let ourselves go to the end step, they'll just exile on their own. The unearthed ones do not go to the graveyard. The game says, whoa, 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 
I see you trying to go to the graveyard. I'm going to do a replacement effect and send you into exile instead. So Flame Shadow Conjuring, sneaky extra bonus. Mirror March is way too expensive. It's a six man enchantment, but it's the coin flip one. It's the same. You don't have to pay, but every time one comes in, you flip a coin until you lose a flip. So there's the real possibility you get nothing as you unearth creatures. But the possibility of getting seven of them exists. And can you resist that? I don't know. I'm, I have a hard time resisting that. Lastly, just a couple of big hitters that I couldn't fit in the episode elsewhere. Kuldotha Forge Master. Uh, it's the five mana artifact. Sack tap. Tap and sack three artifacts, tutor up an artifact, put it right into play. That's awesome. Maybe that's going to be an inspiring statuary for a key play or something like that. Bolus's Citadel. I love this artifact. We can unearth this uh, and then just play cards off the top of our library for life instead. Maybe this is the way to do it with Cauldron of Eternity. If we can empty our library and then whenever a creature dies, it'll go to the bottom of our library, which is also the top of our library, and Bolus's Citadel will let us cast that for life equal to the mana value. And if we can do a cheap creature, is there's I can't imagine there are many zero artifact zero mana creatures that bring an extra rectangle with them. Well I have to look that up. Give me a moment here. Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay. This is crazy in my opinion. Obviously, zero mana artifacts that create tokens, you're going to get hanger back walker. That doesn't work here because if we can cast it for zero, but it'll die right away and it won't have any plus one plus one counters on it. So it won't create a thopter as it dies. And then if it did die, oh, but it does it. Will that actually die? I don't even know if we'll get the die credit because the the cauldron won't let it go to the bottom. But check, get a load of this clown car from the new unset is not an acorn we're allowed to run this in edh decks this is an x mana artifact vehicle oh no but that won't work either darn it because we roll x six-sided dice x will be zero hmm no i can't figure it out anyway i thought i was on to something I'm wrong. Is there a one mana artifact creature that brings something to the battlefield, an extra rectangle with it? And it has to be in the colors of Rakdos. And it has to be a creature because otherwise we can't, it won't go back to the bottom of the library. Nope. Can't find one for one mana. Inquisitive Puppet seemed close, but you have to exile that thing to create the human creature token. Hmm. Two? Is there two? Two is a lot of life. Couple options for two if we're going down this route. Gleaming Barrier costs two, and when it dies, we create a treasure token, and it'll go to the bottom of our library, which is the top, and we will pay two more life. You can't pay two life that many times. None of these gain you life as well. Mirror Sire, when it dies, you make a 1-1 colorless mirror artifact creature. Yeah, no, that's it. That's a tough call. Anyway, uh, thanks for exploring on that journey with me. I thought we were onto something. Bolus of Citadel, though. Great card in most decks, especially if we can unearth it and just try something cool. Arcbound Crusher is interesting. Uh, anything with modular uh, this is the four mana artifact creature with trample. And whenever another artifact enters, you put a plus one plus one counter on this. Modular, again, it's we don't unearthed creatures won't die, so we won't get modular creatures. But when this dies, and we I am assuming we'll put a ton of plus one plus one counters on it, we will get to put that on another artifact creature. Uh, we will definitely have some that are not scheduled to be exiled through Unearth. Currency Converter. This is a card that comes up when we do brews sometimes. It's fascinating. It's 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 hard to wrap your head around it, but it's already like three bucks. Some people know that this can be cool. It's a one meta artifact. Dirt cheap. You pay two and tap it to draw a card and then discard a card. 
So, and whenever you discard a card, you may exile that card from your graveyard. So we this doesn't only work with the loot ability. This works whenever we discard any card for any reason. And might I remind you, we've got a lot of those red discard to draw kind of things. This is a great card if you're already running a bunch of those. Because all you have to do is pay tap, pay tap. You just have to tap this, put a card exiled with currency converter into your graveyard. If it's a land card, you make a treasure token. If it's a non-land card, create a 2-2 black rogue creature token. So imagine the scenario, we drop this on one and it's not doing anything. Then on two, we can thrill of possibilities, discard a land to draw two cards. That land becomes a treasure now because we're going to tap currency converter. Um, yeah, or, or we could also do that later. Like we don't have to do it right now. It's interesting. It's a very interesting card. Bloodforged Battle Axe is an interesting piece of equipment that when this deals combat damage to a player, you create a token copy of Bloodforged Battle Axe. That's another way to get around the unearth disappearing on the axe. Bosch Iron Golem as well. It's the eight mana artifact but you can pay three and a red to sack an artifact to deal damage equal to the sacked artifacts mana value to any target. Again, we've got Metalwork Colossus in the deck. We might be able to cast it for free, so paying four to do 11 somewhere is very powerful. Also, we can unearth Bosch Iron Golem, so we've paid a net of seven to get one activation, but we can keep going with that. Those are the highlights I wanted to mention, and those are the cards I think I wanted to talk about from this deck. This has been a really fun brew, I think, as always. It always is. It's always fun brewing decks. Thank you for listening and coming along with the journey. Uh, if you want to take another look at the cards I talked about, the TCG player link is in the show notes there. I've got a list of all the cards I mentioned in this episode, and as well, if you buy anything through there, that helps out the show. Of course, if you're Canadian, you should go to wizardtower.com and use coupon code BREWBROTHERS, and if you you want to support the show and get in the discord on these brews the best way to do that is through patreon.com slash commanders brew and some of the helpers this time i want to thank chiefy shadow hopper and groove chicken for some cool ads and in closing as always i want you to keep being you the world is a better place because of it. i'll see you next time